0: Howdy. (laughs) Nice to see y'all. You guys okay over here? You're not having a a lonely spell or or anything? You all right? (laughs) All right. Well, it's good to see y'all. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. Let's see. Let's open up to Hebrews chapter 6. Find your place over there. We're going to be starting over there. I want to welcome everybody online. Thanks for joining us tonight. Gather around the Word of God because the Word is good. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, let's lift our hands and bless the Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord, for you alone are worthy to receive our praise and adoration. You are the worthy one. You're the risen one. You're the one that bore our sin, carried our pains, paid our price. You redeemed us, justified us, set us free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you is our redemption, that you're our qualification. Thank you, Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you see us in the Beloved, that you deal with us as a son, as a child, because we are in the firstborn, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that as we come before you to hear your word, to sit at your feet, that we'll be taught of your spirit, that you will impart revelation into our heart, that it'll become application into our life. And it'll not just be something we hear, it'll be something we live. And the experience of walking in your truth is what makes us free. Father, we thank you and bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. All right, he says, leaving the elementary teaching. The word elementary means the very beginning. All right, the beginning teachings or the beginnings of Christ. You know, he is always called the beginning Because He was the beginning of creation. He's caused creation. There's nothing that's come into existence except through Him. The Word of God says He's before all things and all things were created by Him and for Him. He's also the head of the church, the beginning of the church. Isn't that right? And these principles here are the very beginnings, the beginning things of Christ When we begin our life in Christ, these are the very beginning things, all right? These are the elementary, basic, foundational teachings of the Christ that if these foundations are not secured in our life, the building we build on it will not stand. And the foundation is of great importance. Amen. So these are the basic principles, all right? But he says leaving, leaving these principles. Now, leaving is an intensive word that means to release, to send forth, or to leave things behind. But it doesn't mean to leave it and forget about it. What it means is you leave them because you're building off of them. That's what it actually talks about. So when he says leaving the foundation, in other words, you're no longer laying the foundation. Now you're building the house or you're building your life upon these foundations. It's the ABCs. It's the very basic, necessary building blocks, okay, that we have to build upon. Otherwise, you just have a foundation and no structure. So what would that be like? Aren't you glad there's more to your dwelling than there is just a foundation? We're glad for the foundation, The foundation was very basic and the foundation was needed to hold up the rest of the structure. But after the foundation is laid, the building is to be erected. If you don't build a building on the foundation, you're going to just live on the foundation. And what do you call a person that would just live on a foundation with no home? Homeless. Well, don't be a homeless Christian. Build your life. Otherwise, you'll have a foundation, but nothing built upon. Are you with me? So, therefore, leaving or building upon the basic teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. And the word maturity means maturity in Christ. Now, King James says, press on to perfection. But that gives you a wrong idea if you're reading it in, in English. Okay? But maturity actually means Not to live perfect in this life, but it stresses actually the idea of accomplishment. So he's talking about accomplishing maturity in Christ. As we have this foundation, the very beginnings of Christ, now let us build off of it and head for the goal of maturity in Christ. Amen. But you have to move on from the basics. You have to move on from the elementary foundations. But only if you have it laid in your life. If you don't have that foundations laid in your life, then you can't move on. And you shouldn't move on. You need the foundations. All right? So, he says, let us press on to maturity. Or press on to mature living in Christ. And press on, it means to bring forth and to bear. Let us bear and bring forth maturity in Christ. Reach for this. You know, one one person says you got to bear it and wear it. Bear it and wear it. Which is cute, but cute don't get it really, you know. But it means you got to grow into maturity and then live it in your life. Amen? Amen? Not laying again not laying against. Once you get it, move on and build upon it. Don't ever forget it, but build upon it. Do not lay the same foundation over and over and over again. Imagine if you were putting a foundation down for a house, and then next week you tear the foundation out and put another foundation in. And then the next week you tear the foundation out and put another foundation in. The house never gets built. But bless God, we're busy with a foundation. (laughs) and the word foundation is very simple it means the fundamentals the fundamentals you know like you have to understand that two plus two equals four if you're going to move into algebra you know that's one of the problems with education anymore you lose all the fundamentals they don't teach you the fundamentals okay that's that's me But these fundamental elementary basic teachings are the foundation stone of our Christian life. You know, and we need to make that foundation solid. It has to be solid in our life because we build our life upon this foundation. Okay, so he, of course, he doesn't leave you to yourself to figure out what the basic principles are, tells you. And the first one is a repentance from dead works. Okay, dead works are not sinful works. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about works without the element of life. They're dead. And what is the element of life? Faith, faith. You know, I don't he- I understand people that say, well, you know, I, I don't believe in that, that faith, uh, uh, you know, that-, that-, that prayer of faith stuff. Would you rather have a prayer of no faith I mean, I don't get that. You know, oh, that word of faith. I don't don't believe in that word of faith. So you'd rather have a word of no faith. I just don't understand the thinking and the concept of it. Because faith is what gives life. That's the difference between dead works and living works. There's a sharp opposition between dead works and works of faith. All right? And this... Found this repentance from dead works must be one of the very first things that is expounded on to somebody that's embracing Christianity. Because if you don't expound on this and understand this, you will live with a guilt conscience all your life and still be a Christian and still say we love Jesus, but wrapped up in guilt because we don't understand the foundation. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Corresponding actions. Actions that correspond to what you believe. Not actions just because, well, maybe this is what I ought to do. or I think I should do that. No, that's dead works. Corresponding actions is what you believe and that's what you do. Isn't that right? Amen. So you understand we're just doing these things in a nutshell. We're not spending a whole lot of time on each of them. But we can dig into each one of these, you know, and what is there, like six or seven of them, and we could spend at least a week on each of them. So the next one is faith towards God. Isn't that amazing? A basic elementary principle is faith towards God. Why is faith towards God a basic elementary principle? Because now we're supposed to turn to Christ, who is the head of faith, the head of the church. The beginning of all things. Isn't that right? In the Old Testament, they only knew about God. But now faith is in Jesus. You know, Jesus even said it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. Not in God. The Bible says the devils believe in God too, but they tremble. So it's believing in Christ who paid for your sin so that you would have eternal life. He is the Word that became flesh. He is the living Word. Isn't that right? So therefore the time is to no longer look to the God of Israel, but now to the living Word, Christ, in our heart and in our mouth. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. The Word of God in my heart and in my mouth. The Word of God in my heart and in my mouth. It's not that I'm looking for God to come and do something. Oh, God, I need you to come do something. No, the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth. Now, we didn't make that up. In fact, Romans 10 says it's the Word of faith that we preach. In your heart and in your mouth. Isn't that right? It's not looking for God to come do something. Those days are done. Now, we understand that God watches over his word and confirms the word and all that, okay? And we understand that it's because, all because of the power of God. But God's expecting your cooperation. So no longer looking to, the God, looking to God for Messiah to come. Messiah has now come, and Messiah is the head of the church. And Jesus said that when you pray to the Father, pray in my name. Amen. Are you with me? These are elementary things. Then in verse 2, he goes on and talks about some more things. And he says instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. All right, washings. Well, in the Old Testament, they had a lot of ceremonial washings to symbolize. It was just a symbol of being clean. It didn't clean you, but it was a symbol, a type and a shadow. But now we're clean by the blood of Jesus. So we don't need ceremonial washings anymore. And when you accept that and you understand what the foundations are because of the repentance from dead works, your conscience is clean from dead works to serve the true and living God. I sound more excited than you, than you look. A conscious clean from dead works is very, very important. That is one of the most important things that as a believer you have to get a hold of. As we move on from the Old Testament, we build from the elementary basic principles of having been cleansed. We have been cleansed in Christ. When I got born again, I became a brand new creature. One that has never existed before. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. So don't ask me about my past. Because that guy died. And also about washings. There's also in the King James calls it baptisms. Baptisms. You know, there are three baptisms in the New Testament. One is the baptism of water. There's the baptism in Christ. That's when you get born again. And there's the baptism in the Holy Ghost when you get filled with the Spirit. You know, when you get born again and you get baptized in Christ, how many times do you have to go do that? Oh, every Sunday I got to go to the altar and I got to get received. No, you do it one time. It's a foundation. You've done it once. Now move on. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, how many times do you have to get filled? One time. When you get filled, move on. Build off of it. You don't live there. Isn't that right? Amen. And then there's the the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, which is kind of together. Because there are two resurrections. There's the resurrection of the saints, and then there's the resurrection of everybody else. Even the lost get raised. Isn't that right? They may not like where they wind up, but they will get raised. And then there's the eternal judgments. In the Old Dispensation, in the Old Testament, you lived under eternal judgments. But in contrast that to the New Testament, when you get born again, the believer has passed out of judgments. When you're a believer and you're in Christ, you don't go into judgments. You know, you know you, you, sometimes you hear people that I'm trying to live good enough and trying to, you know, so that I can whatever. No, you've passed out of judgment. It tells you that in John chapter 5. You've passed out of judgment. So stop living there. Move on. Amen. You know, sometimes we just don't understand what it means to be in Christ. We use all these Christian cliches. We have all these things that we say, but do we really understand it? Just like when we pray and we just off the cuff finish our prayer in Jesus' name. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that name of Jesus represent to you at the moment when you said it? I don't mean sitting here and then sometime later on and then you pray. No, I'm talking about at the moment you say it. What is going on on the inside of you about Jesus that is alive? Or is it just a ritualistic expression, a tag on the end of every prayer we pray? That when I say in Jesus' name, I mean that I am in Jesus who has authority over in heaven and in earth and I'm in him and from my place of position in Christ, I declare these things. And then the hearer would say, Amen, so be it, I agree with that. And that becomes a prayer of agreement. But we don't do that. You know it, and I know it. We can all agree with it, but you don't do it. You know it. We're all like, yes, in Jesus' name, yes, amen, let's eat. Right? And it's just an off-the-cuff thing because it just becomes so ritualistic. And therefore, that name of Jesus that should be so powerful in everything we say, declare, and do is sitting on a shelf because we treat it and haven't gotten off the foundation. So, as much as we will be raised from the dead, maybe you need to be raised from the dead right now in some of the things you say, some of the things you declare, and some of the things you so-called believe, but you're not connected, engaged, or anything at the time. But yet, up here in your head, you agree with it and think and you're believing it. But what is it producing? Amen. Amen. Maturity is just such a wonderful thing and it's one of our favorite words. (laughs) And then the last one we'll look at is the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. You know, in the Old Testament, they would lay hands on the sacrificial goat and they would send it off into the wilderness and carry the sins of the people away. And they'd have to do that year year after year, after year. And all the time you'd have to come conscious of your sin and realize we got to put our sin onto the goat so the goat can carry it away because every year it was the law of atonement that needed to be carried out. Isn't that right? So they were always conscious of their sin. Another thing about laying out of hands was to pass on the blessing to the next generation. Okay? Okay? But now Jesus, it tells us in Hebrews, that he paid the price or carried our sin once and for all. And he didn't go just into a wilderness, but he paid the price for the sin. And then he entered into the heavenly place, not the one made with hands. And he didn't spill the, the, the blood of goats on a man's tabernacle, but he actually went into heaven itself and spilled his blood or poured his blood onto the mercy seat So that whosoever would believe in him, his blood would wash you clean of sin. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. So he's already done that once and for all. We don't have to keep coming back to him. When is the only time that you come back about your sin? When you commit sin, then you can confess your sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive you of sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Even the things you didn't know about, he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. And you're right back to the day of when you got born again. And leaving all that stuff behind. Because you're cleansed. Isn't that right? And you don't have to have a sin conscience over the thing. Hallelujah. You can have a forgiveness conscience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 'Cause the thing about it is is that we know we're not forgiven because of us and because I'm so good or because I'm whatever. Well, you know, I just oh, I just don't really own up. I don't really I don't I don't seem to measure up, I just can't seem to but it's not about you. It's about what Jesus did for you. He's done it all, he's paid the price, he's measured up. If you're in Christ and He is the Lord of your life, then it's what He's measured up. And He's the one that makes you able. Amen. So because now that he has carried our sin away, now we can lay hands on other people for the removal of sicknesses. In the New Testament, you see the laying on of hands as people get ordained into an office position in the church, in the body. Laying on of hands to impart miraculous influences of the Holy Spirit. Imparting spiritual gifts through the laying on of hands. Amen. Laying on of hands is elementary. You can believe it, and you build up on it. Don't get hung up on it. You know, so when somebody says, well, you know, I don't know if I really believe in that laying on hands. Well, here it is right here in Hebrews chapter 2. The very basic elementary principles of the Christ. Amen. Laying on hands is the only thing you can work in your life. The repentance from dead works, you have to receive that. The instructions about washings, you receive that. The faith towards God, you just receive that. But the laying on hands, you receive that, but now you can work it. And you can work it towards other people. You can't do that with any of these other ones. Are you with me? So he says, therefore, leaving the elementary, basic, foundational, fundamental teachings of the Christ. Now, there's a double truth here when he says that. It's leaving the Old Testament ceremonies that cannot produce salvation. And it's the New Testament principles of the Christ that we are to build on in our life. So we are to leave the Old Testament ones and now when we have these basic teachings in the Christ, now we build on it in our life. Do you understand that? So let me ask you a, a, a crazy question here. How many of you sinned before you got born again? How many of you won't raise your hand no matter what I ask you? Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So you sinned before you got born again. Okay, I'll talk about me. I sinned before I got born again. So do I look back and I think, oh man, I just can't receive from Jesus now after the things that I've done. Maybe I should try to make up for what I did, try to live better and make up for those things. Well, that's dead works. That's all that that is, dead works. You were washed clean in the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized into the life of Christ. So if you were baptized and washed clean in the life of Christ, everything that was B.C., before Christ in your life, is washed away. Washed away and done away with. Well, what about if I sin after I get saved? Well, then you can confess your sin and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you or wash it all away again. Well, I don't know if I can really receive that because I don't know, you know, I'm just not good enough. Again, it's not about you. If it was about our goodness, we'd all be on our way to hell and we'd all be feeding the freight train. It's not about us. It's about what Christ has done for us. Isn't that right? And because of what he's done for us, therefore I can receive. See, it's not a matter of trying to earn your forgiveness It's receiving what he's giving you. Well, I don't know if I'm good enough to receive it. How dare you? How dare you say that what you think is greater than the sacrifice Jesus made to pay the price for your sin? You didn't just say you're not good enough to receive it. You just said what Jesus did for you wasn't good enough for you to be forgiven. Now, why do we think that? See, we think that because of the flesh and not being trained and learned in the elementary, basic, fundamental principles of Christ. When we get a revelation and an understanding of what he's done for us, we can move on. Praise God, we can move on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Move on from the old and build our life up. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So as much as the Word of God calls these basic elementary fundamental teachings, basic doctrines of the Christ, they are also extremely important. They are major doctrines that we must know, understand, and have working in our life if we're going to build our life correctly. The foundation has to be sure. You know, how many times has you, have you uh, wanted to believe God for something and the devil just come along and say, well, you're not good enough. You remember what you did last week? You think God's going to do anything for you? I heard what you said over there. And the devil uses all this stuff to accuse you. But yet, what do you do? You go back to the basic elementary principles. I am released from dead works. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus, right? I have been delivered out from that old life. All things have become new. I know what I did wrong last week. I've confessed my sins. He's forgiven me and he does not hold anything against me and I will not hold it against myself if the God of all creation in whom there is light and there's no darkness at all, he is perfect, he is holy, he chooses to forgive you, then who are we to say we can't forgive ourselves? Will you set yourself above God? If God says, I forgive you, then who are we to say we can't? So when that thought comes and goes, I don't know if I could forgive myself, here's two words, shut up. (laughs) you know those those thoughts just want to come to you and you got to tell them just to be quiet and this is what the word of God says he has forgiven me he's washed me clean and therefore I forgive myself and therefore I can walk by faith I can believe God and not be hindered by a sin consciousness I don't have a sin consciousness I have a righteousness consciousness Isn't that right? Amen. So these doctrines are very important that we understand them so we get them working and we can build our life correctly on this strong foundation that holds the building together, the building being our life. The correct foundations in our life will hold our life together. And again, one of the doctrines is the laying on of hands. You know, we have five senses, is right? One of the senses is called touch. And the human body has almost five million touch receptors in it. Five million. Can you imagine that? Well, almost uh, one-third of those receptors are in your hands. No wonder he said to lay hands on the people. Jesus has instructed us to lay hands on the sick, and He said they will recover." Remember, we looked at that in Mark 16. "You lay hands on the sick, they will recover, they will progressively get better and better and better. And those signs, he said, will follow those who believe. Amen. Acts chapter one. We're going to look at verses four, five and eight. Acts one, four, five and eight. Says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. But John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. All right. So he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you understand that when he spoke to them there on that mountain before he's getting ready on the Mount of Olives, before he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, they're already born again. So he's not talking about receiving the, the Holy Spirit in the new birth. They're already born again. He's talking about the infilling baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power, the Greek word dunamis. And it means achieving active power. Hallelujah. This word dunamis, you know, a lot of words, we think that they're, um, uh, uh, what we would say, holy words, but they're just words that's been used and they used it all the time. And this word dunamis was used by the Greeks and the Romans about a force of nature, like an earthquake, hurricane or a tornado. It was also used to describe the full might of the advancing Roman army. When that army was coming, it was coming with dunamis. When those earthquakes, hurricanes or tornadoes came around, it had it packed a punch of dunamis. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit's power, we become like a spiritual force of nature with the power to shake things up and blow things out of the way. Like an earthquake shakes things up and hurricanes and tornadoes blow things out of the way. In the same way, dunamis power of the Holy Ghost will act that way and function within us. His dynamic presence living in us is like the full might of an advancing army that takes enemy territory. You know, we love to sing the song, Oh, I'm going into the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what the enemy stole from me. Which leaves us with the next question. How? I mean, it all sounds good. Oh, was God you? We sing it, we get all excited, like the excitement's gonna deliver you. No, it's not. How? I'm gonna go in the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. Great. How? I don't know, I'm just gonna believe God. How? You can't say you're going to go take back the things of the enemy and not move in the Holy Ghost because he's the one with the dunamis power. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, his explosive power is in you to number one, be a witness for Christ. Number one, to be a witness for Christ. So possibly, things aren't working in our life with the power of the Holy Spirit because we're not doing the number one thing. And that is to be a witness. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Well, besides being a witness for Christ, The Holy Spirit and His explosive power helps you to do what you could never do on your own. That's the one we get excited about, but the witness stuff... (laughs) And you know what the thing is about the Holy Spirit? In this dispensation, He's only the down payment. This is elementary, Watson, Watson very elementary, this is very basic, this is fundamental. And if we're not doing this, no wonder our life's not building. This is a touch. The down payment of the Holy Spirit in us is only a touch of the powers of the age to come. But we can live in that down payment now and build off our foundation. Jesus said, for they that believe, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll handle serpents if they drink any deadly poison. It shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. If you look through scriptures, you will find a lot of times where people's hands always represented the conduit through which the power of God flowed from person to person. Jacob, when he spoke over Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, he laid his hand on them and he spoke a blessing over them. Remember that? That's in Genesis 48. At the end of Moses' ministry, in Deuteronomy 34, he laid his hands on Joshua and imparted to him the Lord's mantle of leadership. When Moses was leading the people in, uh, uh, through the wilderness, and his father-in-law said, this is too much for you. And he appointed leaders and laid hands on him on them so that some of the spirit of the Lord would be transferred to them. So the laying on of hands was always a way of transmitting or being a conduit for the power of God to move through. In the New Testament, we see Jesus laid hands on the sick, to release healing, and the apostles laying hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 8. So it's a common thread throughout the Bible, and it ought to be a common thread throughout our life. You should no longer pick up a little baby just to pick up a baby. You should pick up the baby with the idea of imparting and transmitting the anointing of God into that baby. You shouldn't shake hands with anybody just for the sake of just shaking hands with them. You should shake hands with the intent of imparting from you to them. And this is why it's so important, who you let touch you. You know, all this touchy-feely stuff that goes on anymore. I was in the mall one time, and um, there was a man there that I knew, young man, younger than I was. And I was talking to him, and his father was with him. And he's telling me his father's a minister. And I'm thinking, something is not right here. You know, something just did not witness at all. There was something wrong with that man. And in a little bit, as we're uh, talking, a woman that the young man knew comes by and has a newborn baby. And she comes walking by and he goes... She, introdu- you know, she comes over and says, oh, my new baby. And he says, this is my father. He's a minister. Oh, would you lay your hands on my baby? And I wanted to scream, no! Because there's an impartation going to take place. But if you don't understand the elementary principle of laying on of hands, See, those things don't matter to you. Oh, that's just silly. We'll go back to Hebrews 6 again. It's an elementary principle, the laying on of hands. Again, Mark sixteen 18. Let's run over there. Jesus said they will pick up serpents if they drink, if they, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So again, hands are the pipeline through which God's power and anointing can flow. And guess what? That includes your hands. Jesus said, if you believe, then in his name, you will lay your hands on the sick and those sick that you lay your hands on, they will recover. And that word sick means anything from minor ailments to critical conditions to somebody being in a coma. As long as there's breath in that person, as severe as all of the conditions might be of people that need prayer and have hands laid on them, none of them are a match for the mighty authority of Jesus. None of them. So I would suggest that you stop praying for people. Or oh, let me pray for you. No, they don't need prayer. They need your hands laid on them for the impartation of the anointing of God. This is not prayer. This is, let me lay my hands on you to impart the anointing of God for healing to come into your body. Do you know why most people don't get healed in church? Because they come for prayer. Will you come for prayer, you'll get prayer. Most people don't go in a healing line to get healed. They go for prayer. Major difference. If we will lay hands, our hands on anyone dealing with these sicknesses, Jesus said they will recover. Now, that's a promise of Jesus. Now, either what he said is true or it isn't. Jesus said his power will flow through your hands and those that are sick will recover, be well, be healthy, and get into good shape. So we could paraphrase what he said here. And he says, they will lay hands, you will lay hands on the sick and they will progressively feel themselves getting better and better until finally they are well and healthy. Amen. 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 So, what if hands are laid on you and you get a little bit better, but you're not all the way better? Can you come back and get another shot of the anointing? Of course you can. Sure you can. You can get as many shots as you want until you're well. Amen. But you know what holds back a lot of people from that? Well, what are people going to think? I've heard people criticize me because I go so much for prayer. I go so much to have hands laid on me. What are people going to think? You know, I was just up there last week. I just, got pray- I just got hands laid on me last week, so I can't go up again this week. You can go every day if you want to. Maybe you only have faith that'll last one day. So then the next day, have some more and next day get another shot. Amen. Are you with me? Where are we? Verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. I say everywhere. everywhere. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. All right? Now, Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if he confirmed the word here that they spoke, the word that they spoke, remember the word that they spoke. If you don't know anything about the word to speak, you have nothing to lay hands on people about because he can only confirm the word. He don't confirm your action. He confirms the word. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I go to the Bible, but I don't know what to read. I mean, I'm doing okay. Well, maybe it's just not about you. Maybe you need to read to get stuff in your heart about somebody else. Maybe God's trying to bring somebody your way, but he, you're not ready because you're not getting anything in your heart from the Word of God. Don't shout me down. If he confirmed the Word that they spoke and preached with signs and wonders, He'll confirm what you speak with signs and wonders as well. Now, here's the good part. He said he'll speak to his people with stammering lips. So if you think you need a theological degree, if you need to be, you know, a a, a perfect speaker, if you need to be uh, charismatic enough or whatever, whatever you might think, it's all wrong. You can be a goat and he'll still work through you. (laughs) Not that I'm calling you a goat. I'm just saying, just an example. If, you, if a goat can speak the word of God, he'll confirm it. And the proof of that is the donkey spoke to Balaam. And God confirmed it. If you are believing for signs, supernatural signs will be your constant companion everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Why? Because they went out and preached everywhere. Amen. So this means that you see somebody, so you don't just walk up to them and go, oh, can I pray with you? Can I lay hands on you, to, you know, so you can be well? No, you got to share the word with them first. And you share what the word of God says with them. Amen. Hebrews chapter six again. Verses four through six. Hebrews six, four through six. Says, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. All right, so let's start again in verse four. All right, so. In the case of those who have been once enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, partakers of the Holy Spirit, tasted of the powers of the age to come. Okay? These folks have obviously had very impressive spiritual experiences. (laughs) These are not novices. These are the people that have gotten off the foundation, built a house, and dear God, you know, things are happening. They have pressed on into maturity. He starts off by saying they were once enlightened, which describes the experience of light shining on someone's mind and spirit. So it's a new birth experience. These are people that got born again, isn't that right? Amen. You know, uh, Erasmus gives a correct explanation about that. Now, he was a Dutch humanist and scholar, he was the foremost resonant scholar of Northern Europe, and he paved the way for the Reformation. And he said, who once for all have left the darkness of their former life, having been enlightened by the gospel teaching. Glory to God. Amen. And then he says he's tasted of the heavenly gift. Well, what is the heavenly gift? The heavenly gift is the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said to those that were born again before he ascended into heaven, wait for the promise of the Father. It was the gift of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? The Holy Spirit is the heavenly gift. But then he goes on to say that they were partakers of the Holy Spirit, which means that they didn't just receive the Holy Spirit, but they abided in the Holy Spirit. They communed with the Holy Spirit and they fellowshiped with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. They got something going on. Verse 5. And they've tasted the good word of God. Tasted the good word. They've experienced the goodness of God. Hallelujah. His, His, the goodness of God's word. They saw his goodness at work in them on a regular basis. Isn't that right? And it says the powers of the age to come. Now, what are the powers of the age to come? He's not talking about Heaven. He's talking about the millennial age, the next age that's coming up upon the earth. The powers of living in that millennial age where we rule with Christ. And we will be walking in the fullness of God's supernatural power here on the earth in the millennial reign. Right now you're walking in the down payment of it, but then you're going to walk in the fullness of it. And he's saying here that they have tasted of the powers of the age to come. Hallelujah. These powers are characteristic of the age to come. Now, let me just ask you a question here. If you have tasted of the Holy Spirit and tasted of fellowship with the Holy Spirit and tasted of the power of the age to come, would you be satisfied to sit there and go, I sure hope that happens again? Or would you be pressing in for it? Would you be looking for it? See, so we can't just sit here and go, oh, yes, glory to God, pastor. That's true. You're not pressing in for it, are you? Don't answer. But you know who you are. If you're not pressing into it, you never really tasted it. Or have you tasted it and fallen away from it? Amen? Amen? These are the people that went on to maturity. The basic principles, fundamentals, and foundations are for us alone so that we can be established in the Christian life. But as we are established in the Christian life, we are to put faith into all of these things. Lay hands on the people. Laying hands is what reaches out to others if we believe. Now, what is the difference between maturity and immaturity? All right, think about a child. Think about a five-year-old. Would you consider a five-year-old mature? Would you consider a 30-year-old mature? Well, it depends. They ought to be. But just, just age-wise, just age-wise. We're just talking about age-wise. Age-wise, you know a five-year-old is not mature. But a 30-year-old ought to be mature, okay? You, let's say that the 30-year-old is married and has a family. The 30-year-old is going to be looking out for his spouse and his family. The 5-year-old is looking out for who? Themselves. So what's the difference between maturity and immaturity? Looking to others rather than just yourself. That's the difference. So when he talks about pressing on to maturity, it's to take the things that God's putting in you and using them to touch other people we ought to go on into maturity. And that's why the laying on of hands is in that list because we have to get that as a foundation in our life so that we can reach out to others. Amen. And there's not a person in this room or on, online that does not believe this. But yet these mature folks that's listed here reached out beyond themselves and they set their focus on others. See they've tasted they've tasted of the power of the age to come. It don't happen cuz you sit at home. You're going to have to be around people for this to happen. Because it's only by reaching out to others that that power can move through you to somebody else. You understand? So therefore, because they set their focus on others, they walked in the Holy Spirit, they tasted the Word of God, they tasted of the power of the ages to come, and allowed the Holy Spirit to move through them to mightily touch others. But just very quickly, without really going into much of it, I think it's verse six and then fallen away. Here's the deal. Maturity don't make you to be something. Maturity doesn't protect you. Every one of us, and I've always said, I say this about myself, I'm only a breath away from being stupid. No matter how much you grow in the Lord, we're just a step away of messing everything up. Why? Because the Bible says the righteous are barely saved. You got in by the skin of your teeth. Because it's nothing that you've done, it's all that Jesus has done. And he's allowed us to partake of what he's done for us. So if the righteous are barely saved, that means you could step away. Now the proof of that was the man that was in Corinth. And the Apostle Paul said, I've turned him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit would be saved in the day of judgment. Okay, why? Because the man, if he continued on down that path, he'd have been the one that crucifies again and turns his back on Christ and no longer trusts Christ for his being his Savior. So falling away, we're not talking about somebody that's fallen into sin. We're not talking about somebody that's not living right. We're talking about somebody that has made a decision to turn their back on Christ and say he is not Lord, he is not Savior, and I'm setting my dependency on something else, and it may just be me. It may be that I'm just depending on my own self. Are you with me? But looking around the room, I don't see anybody that wants to get out. (laughs) (laughs) So we will always watch ourselves and make sure we don't go off in that path, right? Amen. So, again, enlightened, the gift of heaven, partakers of the Holy Ghost, tasted of the good word, taste of the power of the age to come. And where does it start? These signs will follow them that believe. So he's saying, actually Jesus is saying, get out there among the people and start to engage your faith. And believe for big things to happen. Start believing for big things to happen. Now, when I say big things to happen, I'm not talking about you're going to win a billion dollar lottery. No, you're back into the elementary immaturity just looking at yourself stuff. Oh, no, no, Pastor, I'm not. Because if I won that, I, I would just, you know, really bless all kinds of people. You mean like all of the people you're blessing right now. It's like the guy said to me, you know, I know you're in the ministry. And um, when I hit the big one at the racetrack, I'm, g- I'm going to give money to your church. And I'm thinking, you mean like the money you're giving now to the church, right? You're not giving anything now. Do you think that when you get this lump sum, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to give this away? Right, right. Kidding ourselves. So when I say we'll believe if for big things to happen, I mean for somebody else. And I don't mean, well, I believe in the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm out there. I'm sharing. I'm speaking. And I'm expecting to be able to lay my hands on people and see things happen. Amen. When you walk out of your house, you ought to be ready to pray. When you walk out of our house, we should believe for people to be healed and set free. When we walk out of the house... We should believe that the anointing of God in us will break the power of the enemy in somebody else. See, that's taken back what the enemy has stolen. Amen. Amen. Believe in God that people will be delivered, set free. Use your hands. Place them on people who want to be healed because of the word that you shared. Now, some people are going to say, you know, I don't want you to pray for me. No, I don't want you to lay hands. Oh, that's fine. It's up to you. You know, I, uh, I shared with that woman one time about uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And I told her, I know somebody got healed of that. Oh, no, no, no. How could that happen? I'm right, like, well, well, she had it, but now she don't have it. No, no, you can't get rid of rheumatoid arthritis. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. She had it. She don't have it anymore. And she's getting like this. I want to know how How did that happen? And I said, well, she was healed by the power of Jesus. Oh, she said. I should have said, give me $20,000. I'll show you how, you know. (laughs) She'd have coughed that up in a heartbeat. But once you tell her, oh, Jesus, you know, now all of a sudden. Well, that's fine. It's your arthritis. You can have it. You know. You, can't, you can lead a horse to water. Yeah. So you share the word with them, and then they decide what they want. See, this is what it means to engage your faith. You've got to put yourself in a position. This is how God's power gets released in your life. If you don't see instantaneous results, you don't need to worry about it. Because the Word of God says they're going to recover. Isn't that right? right. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12 says we are the body of Christ. So what Jesus does today on the earth, he does it through us by his Spirit, just like the Spirit worked through him, who he was the only body of the Christ on the earth. We are the body of Christ on the earth today. So therefore, that same Spirit now can work through us. And our natural design gets combined with his supernatural power. And extraordinary things are bound to happen. Amen. Amen. So the only question is, are you ready to engage? See, are you ready to move forward with these things? I know you want to take hold of the Word, get it into your heart, get that to build up. But as you get into the Word, as you start studying these things and hearing these things over again, let that stir on the inside of you. Let it build on the inside of you. It's getting to the place to where we're willing to let our flesh be nervous. When was the last time you let your flesh be nervous? Huh? Huh? When was the last time you let your flesh be shaky over doing something that God wants you to do? Or have we just gotten comfortable? I kind of like things just the way they are. I'm going to church. I'm reading the Word. I'm praying. I'm doing good. But you're not shaking anymore. You're not nervous anymore. And we should be. Are you with me? Because only then can you override your flesh to obey God and allow the power of God to move on behalf of others. Amen. So we're ready to take the foundations, make those foundations solid in our life and press on in to a life of maturity. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Time to engage. So, when you engage, you have to understand you're not engaging with that person. You're engaging with the enemy that has attacked that person. If you would get your eyes on the spirit and not on the flesh, it becomes a lot easier to deal with. Amen. Amen. Just bow your head. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching online, just go ahead and bow your head right where you're at. Father, I believe this word has gone out and got sown into our heart. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to bring this to fruition, that we would bear and bring forth fruit in our life based on what you have declared to us today, that it'll become a living reality in us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to urge each and every one of us, to beseech each and every one of us, to incite each and every one of us to move in this direction, that it will become a choice that when we're out among people, that you're going to show yourself of wanting to do something, move in a certain way, and my flesh is going to start shaking and I'm going to start feeling nervous and I'm going to have to make a choice. Will I obey God or will I yield to the nervousness and shaky flesh that is trying to stop me from obeying you? But I know that when I make the choice to obey you, your power will move on my behalf and rise up with strength and courage in me so that I will be able to then reach out to another person and your power that's in me will be transmitted into their life and the enemy and his hold will be broken in their life and one by one we'll see people delivered, see people set free and then we'll see people get saved and come into the kingdom and it will create within them a hunger and a thirst for more and more and more just as it will create within us a hunger and a thirst for more and more because we are going to start tasting of the power of the age to come. Father, I thank you for these things. I receive this right now. I receive it for myself. I receive it for those that are hearing, for those that are within the, the realm of the influence of your word. I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it Lord. thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're excited about Sunday and Monday. Dr. Terry and Renee will be here Sunday and Monday, 10.30, 6 o'clock, and 7 o'clock Monday. Praise God. We know that they're going to be coming and imparting things into our heart. Are you ready to receive? Amen, amen. You know, the Word of God says that people come and they share spiritual things with us, and therefore we share material things with them. So as much as they come to be a blessing to us, we also want to be a blessing to them. Amen. 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 Glory to God. I want you to know that all the Tuesday teachings now are available on flash drive. Uh, All services are available on flash drive. The flash drives are $4 each. And all the Spiritual Ears series, the whole series series, All four classes are all on one flash drive. So you get all four classes, the whole series, for only $4. So rather than paying per teaching, like on CDs, you would get one teaching, and it would cost you, I think, $6 a CD. So Spiritual Ears would have cost you $24 for the whole set, but now it costs you $4, and you get it all on one flash drive. So if you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and um, that is available. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Thank you for your wonderful, great, magnificent plan of salvation. Oh, Father, it is so true that the greatest part of our salvation is that we can conform to the image of Jesus. And we look forward to going forth in that which you have declared to us today. For that will be conforming to Jesus in our life. For he reached out and touched others, and so we can also. And Father, I thank you also for the opportunity to come before you, to bring our seed in, to sow it into your kingdom. Thank you that it will develop and bring a harvest back into our life, that you supply and multiply back to us seed to sow, and increase the harvest that comes from our righteous act of giving. We thank you for it, bless you, and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If you joined us online, again, thank you for being with us today. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And... Um, Maturity is a great part of the Christian life. That is always God's intent that we continue to grow and increase in him and in his life and in his way of living. So don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't let him make you fearful. Courage and boldness is in you to take hold of and to accomplish that which the Lord has for you. Amen. And we can pray with you, stand with you, and believe God for that to become a reality in your life. Amen.